What were you doing when you were 16? Were you going to school? Hanging out with friends? Getting your driver's license? You probably weren't getting married to a man 33 years older than you. That was the reality for 16-year-old Catherine Howard, born into nobility and cousin to Anne Boleyn, the former Queen of England. Her husband-to-be was none other than King Henry VIII of England, notorious for his many wives and their many deaths. Imagine how Catherine might have been feeling before the wedding. Was she scared? Excited? Confused? She was probably wondering what her future would hold. Would it be better than her past? Only time would tell. This is the story of Catherine Howard, and this is her time. It was 1523 in England. Though plague, starvation, and high infant mortality rates were prevalent, trade was booming, wages were high, and rents were low. New ideas emerged in the fields of science, art, design, culture, and exploration. This was the life for English citizens under King Henry VIII of the Tudor dynasty, who had ruled for more than a decade by this time. However, Henry was not originally meant to obtain the throne. Back in 1509, Henry VIII was faced with the death of his brother and initial heir to the throne, Arthur, after he died of a sudden illness. Along with this new throne came a new wife, Catherine of Aragon, or his brother's widow. Although, this is not the Catherine from the title of the episode. He actually married three women named Catherine. The couple married after Henry took the throne in 1509. He began his reign as an enlightened monarch, favored and supported by his people. He was said to be handsome, clever, and fun, a true Renaissance man, whose hobbies included jousting, hunting, composing music, and throwing parties. His marriage to Catherine of Aragon was seemingly favorable as well. They had a sole surviving daughter, Mary, and were a happy, devoted, and politically powerful pair. But little did Catherine know, her fate was in the hands of Henry. It would be brutal and repeated among multiple other women married to this man. Doubt in his marriage was instilled in King Henry VIII as the couple failed to produce a male heir. He began searching for an explanation for his failure to continue his patrilineal bloodline. It was known that the Old Testament of the Bible held a ban on marrying your brother's widow, so he believed his coupling had been cursed. The king began to seek a papal annulment for his marriage. When his demands for an annulment were not met, he broke England from the Catholic Church and divorced Catherine of Aragon, tarnishing his reputation public was upset that their beloved and popular Queen Catherine of Aragon was banished to a life of retirement, where she eventually died from cancer in exile, a depressing death for a cherished queen. However, this was just the beginning of Henry's cruelness towards his wives. He was quick to move on to a new partner. He married his mistress Anne Boleyn in 1533. They had a daughter named Elizabeth, but she failed at producing a male heir, and Henry's solution was to move on to a new wife, lucky number three but not before beheading Anne Boleyn at the Tower of London. But don't worry, he granted her mercy by hiring a skilled swordsman to finish the job rather than an executioner's axe. What a gentleman. Again, he quickly moved on, marrying Jane Seymour. She gave birth to a son, Edward, but she died soon after he was born. With a male heir secured, he chose his next marriage with political interests in mind. To cement an alliance with a Protestant duchy in Germany, Henry married Anne of Cleves, This marriage lasted for the rest of their lives as the beautiful couple lived happily ever after. Not true. Henry claimed Anne was too unattractive physically for the marriage to continue and had it annulled. They divorced after less than a year. 
after four failed marriages, one might give up at finding true love. But not Henry VIII. He was as determined as he was cruel. This one sensible, reasonable, and pleasant king was turning violent, intolerant, and tyrannical. This is when 15-year-old Catherine Howard came into his life. The same year Henry married Catherine of Aragon, his first wife, and the two began to rule England and plan their future together, Catherine Howard was born in London, England. She was a member of the powerful Howard family. Though Catherine was a Howard, she was part of one of the less powerful branches. Her father was Edward Howard, the poorer second son of Thomas Howard, the Duke of Norfolk, and her mother, Joyce Culpepper, the daughter of Sir Richard Culpepper of Aylesforth, Kent. Through her father, Catherine was the niece of the Duke of Norfolk, one of the most powerful men in England. Catherine's mother had children from a previous marriage, and her parents had several children together, so Catherine had numerous step and half-siblings. Her upbringing was unconventional, to say the least. After the death of her mother when she was young, she was raised by her father's stepmother Agnes Tilney and Dowager Duchess of Norfolk. The Dowager Duchess took in many noble children, whose parents were unable or unwilling to care for them, creating a sort of nobility prep school that mirrored a more modern high school setting, filled with love triangles, gossip, and cliques. The children cared for by the Dowager Duchess were relatively unsupervised, and to a certain degree neglected, as they were removed from traditional family settings and treated as opportunities for matchmaking and alliance forming with other powerful families. This situation created the perfect environment for abuse to occur and go unnoticed. At age 12, Catherine's music teacher, Henry Mannox, began grooming her and taking advantage of her sexually. Rumors of the affair flew through the Duchess's wards, and eventually the Dowager Duchess found them together. Her reaction was to strike the 12-year-old Catherine, even though, as custom dictated, it was the fault of the Duchess for failing to guard Catherine's honor. This would not be the only time Catherine was used by an older man and then painted as the villain. When she was around 14 years old, she became involved with the much older Frances Dereham, her stepmother's secretary. Their affair was known throughout Catherine's social circle, an unfortunate fact that would come back to haunt her. In March of 1539, Catherine's uncle, the Duke of Norfolk, secured her a prized position in the household of Anne of Cleves, who was set to become Henry VIII's fourth wife. Catherine may have met Henry for the first time in December 1539, when he traveled to Greenwich to await Anne's arrival. Was it love at first sight? At this stage in his life, it's tough to imagine Henry as the man of any 15-year-old girl's dreams. After the king's disastrous first meeting with Anne of Cleves, Norfolk likely chose to this moment to push Catherine into Henry's path, hoping to use her to increase the Howard family's political standing and favor with the king, continuing the pattern of Catherine being used by older and powerful men as a pawn with little regard for the impacts on her life and safety. By June 1540, Henry's interest in Catherine was known throughout the court. One observer noted that the king crept too near another lady, and Anne of Cleves herself complained that her new husband was attracted to Catherine. Were the feelings mutual? Maybe it was his oozing ulcer that really did it for Catherine. For the aging Henry, his new love interest held out on the prospect of recapturing his lost youth and popularity. On the 12th of July, 1540, Henry secured an annulment of his marriage to Anne of Cleves, and 16 days later married Catherine at Oatlands Palace in Surrey, making her his fifth wife and the Queen of England, at age only 16 or 17. It was tradition at the time for queens to adopt a motto, and as hers, Catherine chose, non autre valente que la sienne, meaning no other will but his. Sadly, this would prove to be an adept assessment of their relationship. Similar to Catherine of Aragon, 
Catherine Howard was beloved by the public. Her first few months as queen were successful, as she intervened on behalf of many prisoners whose causes she believed in and supported their families. However, politically, she was used as a pawn to promote the interests of her family in the royal court. Additionally, she admirably worked to have cordial relations with Henry's former wife, Anne of Cleves, and with his children. However, her relationship with her stepdaughter Mary, daughter of Catherine of Aragon, was strained and awkward, as Catherine was younger than Mary. However, Elizabeth, daughter of executed Anne Boleyn, and Catherine, became close due to their shared relation to Anne. Catherine's relationship with Prince Edward, son of Jane Seymour, also grew closer. As her relationships with her stepchildren grew more affectionate, her marriage became strained, as Henry VIII soon realized she wasn't the virginal bride he expected. This became obvious when her former lover, Francis Dereham, arrived at court and began boasting of their previous affair. At the same time as Dereham's reappearance, Catherine started to receive requests for favors from Thomas Culpepper, a gentleman of the King's Privy Chamber. Described as a beautiful youth, he was a sexual predator, and there's evidence that he'd previously been accused of rape and murder, but escaped punishment thanks to his connections with King Henry VIII. Sounds to me like another walking red flag, but Catherine may have thought she would finally get to have a healthy, enjoyable relationship with Culpepper. Unfortunately, this was not to be. Shortly before Henry's 50th birthday, on the 28th of June, 1541, Catherine and Culpepper began an affair. During the same summer, Catherine wrote a letter to Culpepper that would eventually help seal her doom. In it, she wrote, It makes my heart die to think I cannot be always in your company. She signed the letter, Yours as long as life endures. Her writing sounds so much like a teenager, almost like the melodrama of Twilight. It serves as a reminder of her youth and immaturity, mirroring the thoughts of a lovesick high schooler. However, more recently, historians have taken a different approach to analyzing the meaning of the letter. At the time, it was taken at face value, but a more recent interpretation suggests that this emotional tone may have been fueled less by sexual desire and more by the desperation of a young woman who's seeking to placate an aggressive, dangerous suitor. This interpretation aligns with the pattern of relationships in Catherine's life thus far, and exemplifies the little agency she had in her own life in almost every area. In October of 1541, a little over a year after her wedding to Henry, Catherine's world would come crashing down. Through an unknown source, word of Catherine's liaisons with a man at her childhood home reached the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmar, a trusted advisor to the king. At first, Henry did not believe the story and demanded an investigation into the allegations be conducted. The investigation soon proved the validity of the story, as well as uncovering the identities of both Henry Mannix and Francis Dereham. The investigation also uncovered information that pointed to her current affair with Thomas Culpepper. As it happened before with the downfalls of Henry's previous wives, as soon as they lost his favor, people came out of the woodworks with evidence to further damn them in the king's eyes. Unfortunately, one of the few loyal friends Catherine had, Lady Rochford, was tortured and interrogated, eventually confessing to having facilitated Catherine's meetings with Culpepper. On November 8th, under interrogation by Thomas Cranmar, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Catherine confessed to the relationships with Francis Dereham and Henry Maddox, as well as the affair with Culpepper. In his report to the king after her confession, Cranmar said that he had found her in lamentation and heaviness, as I never saw no creature. After her confession, Catherine was moved to a monastery and deprived of her title, as Culpepper and Dareham were put to death. Soon after, Catherine and Lady Rochford were also condemned. On February 10, 1542, Catherine was taken to the Tower of London by boat, and as she passed under London Bridge, she would have likely seen the rotting heads of Thomas Culpepper and Francis Dareham. Three days later, at 9 a.m. on the 13th of February, 1542, 
Catherine Howard was executed at the tower. She may have been as young as 18 at the time of her death. After her death, Henry moved on to his sixth and final wife, Catherine Parr, seeming to quickly forget Catherine Howard and their life together. Catherine Howard is perhaps the most misunderstood and most vilified of all Henry's six wives. She had no children with Henry, and as a result, her legacy is typically relegated to that of a lesser-known wife to a notorious king. Since the Victorian era, there has been a predominantly unsympathetic view of the young queen. If at all, she has been remembered as a silly or frivolous teenage girl who was easily seduced and as a result lost her head. However, in the era of the Me Too movement, she tends to be represented more as a victim of sexual violence. Both perspectives, whether whore or victim, reduce Catherine to nothing more than a sexual object. In reality, she was a much more complex young woman. Um, okay, so the reason that I wanted to do Catherine Howard for this episode is because I was watching this show called The Tudors about King Henry VIII, and on it, she's represented as just, like, this really, she's like, almost like an idiot. Like, she's so, like, she's silly, she's frivolous, she's she's a teenager, but that's not really, like, the main focus. It's not really focused on how sort of unfortunate her situation is here. It's just, like, oh, this silly girl. And I was so surprised by that because I think, like, also she in the show, she's, like, blonde and 17. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Like, I kind of saw myself in her to a certain extent. And um, so I was talking about it with my mom and I was because I was going through, like, a phase where I was really into, like, learning about him and his wives. And um, I was explaining to her and my mom was like, oh, she was, I remember her, like, she was the like slutty one and it's you know that like tiktok audio that's like oh i remember her she was, she was the slut <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i think that she probably serves as like a stereotypical image for like a teenage girl and i think that's how a lot of like older people and like maybe like men see like teenage girls and she's probably just like the symbol for that and like history yeah and i think it's like especially unfair that when you look into her life and her early life there were so many examples of her being used like from such a young age and um and then that kind of it was like the pattern throughout her whole life and it ended up being the reason she died and so I think she sort of did this like um extreme example of sort of like the unfair situation a lot of women and girls are in still to this day yeah she seemed like the scapegoat for a lot of problems that weren't mm-hmm. her fault necessarily yeah and then like how awful that for so long she was remembered as if like she was in the wrong and not this like much older man who had obviously had this pattern of like killing his wives but instead he's remembered as a powerful ruler and then like um and so even like 
Anne Boleyn, her image was kind of re- rehabilitated because, um, you know, she like there was a lot of movies and shows, and she was shown as like this strong woman who was smart and like knew what she wanted, and and maybe like Catherine Howard wasn't especially smart, but that's okay. That's not like just because she wasn't especially smart, that doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve like respect. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for like um, people to blame like a young girl who is considered, like, weak mm-hmm. and, like, put all of the problems and blame her for those. And so I think that's probably why her reputation is so, like, tarnished. Yeah. Um, and I, like, also with some of Henry's other wives, like, the ones he had children with seem to be remembered more favorably and, um, or at least just remembered more in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also, like, also sad because, I you know, women shouldn't only... Be remembered for their roles as like a wife and a mother. Yeah. And um, and like so the other ones like Mary and Elizabeth kind of got to like sort of rehabilitate the images of their mother in the in the public's eye, but Catherine had no one who cared to like to sort of try to help her legacy. Do you think that the musical Six is rehabilitating the image of Catherine Howard? I have not seen that Me either. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to like one of the songs, and I don't know, like maybe. I bet it still portrays her as kind of, like, dumb, which is uh, fine. It is a very, like, funny character archetype. It is, yeah. Um, But maybe. I mean, I yeah. So I guess what I would like, and this there probably are, like, books and maybe, like, shows out there that try to rehabilitate her. But, um, yeah, I would love to see, like, a book or movie not take the easy route and sort of just, like... Make her into a a, a character just based on... Like, immaturity. Yeah. And, like, I, I definitely wanted to include in this episode some of the stuff she did as queen, which I think sort of represented that she was probably a pretty nice person, like, trying to have a relationship with Anne of Cleves and her stepchildren. Like, that's kind of... She didn't have to do that. Um, no one was going to force her to. Um, but she did. And uh, I was also... I'm seeing the movie Priscilla soon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of... In some ways, a similar example. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, because she was, like, 14 when she met Elvis, and then he sort of shaped her entire life. Yeah, I was going to ask you, thought, is there any, like, modern yeah. day or, like, modern connection to Yeah, that, I was definitely thinking of that, and um, and I don't know if Priscilla has the same reputation. I don't think she does, but it is sort of the same thing of being... Taken advantage of. Taken advantage of, an of an older and, like, man. Groomed. Yeah, yeah. And I also thought it was kind of sad when we were, like, doing the script for this episode that... um. Her life was so short that it was basically, like, early life, life as queen, and then yes, she died. we literally had a section for early life, and then we're like, but basically her whole, her whole life, life, because yeah. she was, he died when she was, like, not even an adult, barely. Yeah, like, we're the age that she was when she died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. guys thank you so much for listening be sure to hit the like button if you're watching on youtube and write us on spotify and stay tuned for the next episode exactly yeah. so hope you enjoyed the episode of her time and we'll see you next week <laughs>